Everyone, welcome to the MTG Painful Truths Podcast, episode number 40. Cole, we have a milestone. Uh, I'm your host, Brett Wagner, and Cole Kirkman is with me today. How are you doing, Cole? I am doing great. Um, we had an event uh, recently. It was the, the RCQ that we always talk about. Right, yeah, the local, the Nerd Hollow. We met, went back to our home base and uh, played in the One Slaughter RCQ and uh, we'll go over the results. And then after we do that, we're gonna we're gonna have a deck breakdown of Lotus Field combo. So this yes. this will be th- those parts will be uh, I, I told Cole is like an evergreen where this the information here you could probably listen to this months later and hopefully get some some value out of it if you um, if you have kind of general questions or if you think about getting into the deck the deck. Uh, Fundamentals haven't really changed too too much in the past like year or so, um, but we'll we'll go over all that good stuff. So, Cole, let's just go ahead, jump right into it. Um, so we'll, we're going to do what we do, what we have done always, where the the person who performed worse, we'll talk about their event first, and that was me. <laughs> uh, Cole, it was not a great event for me, uh, not the worst, but. Uh, officially went three and two. Um, but it was really two and two in games played because I got paired against Jacob and he uh, he just conceded because we ha- nothing was on the line because we already had our, we both had our second loss so we knew we were just dead for top eight. But two two and two in games played. I'll be pretty quick about it. Round one was against Karuga Fires and I knew after seeing Karuga on the table that I was uh, I knew exactly what he was playing. Unfortunately, this matchup is kind of dicey sometimes, but I'm a little bit more confident running... Uh, oh, Colt. Uh, what did I play? Good question. I played Neoformatraxa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I played Neoformatraxa, and we'll talk about your deck uh, when we get to it, because um, your your deck choice was pretty pretty interesting. But yeah, I played Neoformatraxa. Yeah, honestly, uh, just sorry to interrupt, but honestly, like, I don't think any human could have called the shot on what I actually like registered to play right so i uh i was pretty hard set because i think this is my leading choice going to dallas is to play this deck i think it's really good and um i don't think it's really respected uh to this point so this is what my leading choice right now i'm gonna we're gonna make the episode weird because i'm gonna interject because uh funny enough um i listened to uh one of our episodes um, actually the previous episode where we talked about Pioneer and, you know, Rogues being a deck. It's been a minute. It's been a little while, yeah. Um, a deck that has come up, you know, through the ranks here is, um, the Boros Convoke deck. We had, uh, talked about in that episode, I, we had brought up, like, you know, uh, we brought up in that episode, uh, listening back to it, like, oh, you know, Rogues is kind of like the new deck, and the format's kind of stabilized to where, like, there's nothing really new that can, like, that's gonna, like, change it, or whatnot. Um, but no, there, we were we were wrong. There was a, a deck that just took a little bit longer than the rest to, like, really break out, and it was a good old Boros Convoke. Yeah. Uh, that deck has taken off. It is rampant um like it's everywhere uh 
online uh, on moto you know at the bare minimum um it's really strong like people are calling it the new gak which is funny as a as a connoisseur of the hogak i love that but um i don't know it, it's just weird to look at it now because like we we aftermath was the only set that came out and it didn't exist before Aftermath. It took Aftermath coming out for it to exist. Um, but Aftermath didn't give it anything. You know? Right. Yeah, the, like that's it was that's like the funny thing. not a deck until it uh until two people got first and second in uh online event and it just got blue. I think a Sodek and someone else who got first and second. Yeah, it, it had seen like talk. Like people were like chattering, chatting about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It took that to uh, to get it there. Like, I, like I mean, I, I guess to get it to like the respect it needed is what I'm getting at. Like, it, it's weird, right? Like, I don't know. Like, I meant to say this while we were there. You know what the deck reminds me of? What's uh, what's that? You know the Dominaria standard when the Boros deck was like the best deck. Um, and they pl- I I so don't Boros Agro at LSV played it and everything. Okay, it might have been. It wasn't Dominaria standard. It was a uh, the first Ravnica set standard. It was at Pro Tour, and Boros Agro was the best deck because you had the Loxon. Uh, okay, in it. Can't believe you don't know. Was it, was this. it basically just mono white, like almost like white weenie, but with uh, yeah, it was it was mono white, but they splashed red for like some of them splashed red for something. Because they would play Clifftop Retreat and Sacred Foundry. Okay. I'm trying to look this up because I... I don't remember what they... Spl- there were some that splashed red. Oh, what's that? Two red... Oh, God. It's the this one the core set. It like, made hasty one ones. Oh, um... Ha- Southern Reinforcements? Oh, my gosh. I, I, I don't Dude, know. I'm trying. I'm trying to try, try look. That's standard from ever, forever ago. Um... But yeah, that, like we didn't really see that coming. I don't really think anybody did. It was kind of a deck. I mean, it, it kind of felt like Hogak in the same sense because, like, I mean, I guess it is Hogak because, like, Hogak went under the radar when MH1 came out because everybody was looking at like Urza and all that, and then Hogak came out and you know Hogak like started tearing up the scene. Yeah, Hogak came out and like wrecked the scene, and this is kind of doing the same thing. It's it's really interesting uh, what this deck is doing. It hasn't really found its home yet. Like it's still a little, still a little weird. Yeah. Like there's two divides on it right now. That's a big deal. Um, I, I haven't. I, I'm just excited to see where where it goes. Um, but it, it is a good deck. And yeah, just I I wanted to bring that up because like I said, I was re-listening to our last episode, and uh, we had talked about like where Pioneer was because of bomb coming out. Uh, I mean, Rogues is still a real deck. Like, it's where I'm not saying Rogues like died, but right. we just like we just definitely didn't see uh, this deck coming to fruition. No, right? It just kind of came up out of nowhere. Yeah, but we we'll go back to your how your Pioneer RCQ went. Oh, this was the settle the wreckage moment with that Luis had, right? Yeah. Okay, I'm looking at his deck now. Uh, it's mono white in the main deck. Sideboard had Experimental Frenzy. The enchantment. Uh, yeah, it had red cards. I remember it. It had red cards. Bade fire in the board and Aureli, exemplar of justice. Aurelia. Oh, oh, 
Sure. I do remember Aurelia. Yeah. Four mana, two, five flying mentor. Uh, in combat, do right. something. Yeah. If it's, if it's red, yeah. Choose a creature. If it's uh, red, it gets plus two, plus zero oh, and trample. If it's white, it gets vigilance. Okay. Okay. Yes. That, and there was like red, white was the, like almost the entire top eight. It was uh, four, five, five of the top eight, which is a lot. Yes. Three, four, five, six. Sorry, six of the top eight. So, so side tangent, because I know we don't talk about, well, I don't talk about modern often, but I'm in a bunch of Ho- or Hogak, Yawgmoth things. Have you seen what Yawgmoth is doing lately? No, I haven't. They're playing fucking Arboreal Grazers. What? Yeah. Oh and my like gosh. Golgari Rot Farms. What? Is it like, is, are you, are you messing with me? No, go look at the recent challenge. I mean, Boil Grace is the most broken card of Magic, so I can keep behind so that. Third place list just played Rot Farm, Zerk, and like Zerk's list. Yeah, Zerk's list, but six Demonic Tutors. He played four Grazers and two Rot Farms. Oh, Demonic! Oh my God, that, that wild! Yeah, Jesus, Colony Garden too. Oh my God. Well, that's not that crazy. I mean, Yawgmoth back in the day used to play that. Th- really? It- Three, well, like copies. One of... three copies of this card. Good to see creativity still fucking it up. I mean, we, yeah, I mean, we still have a, a patch from the main, so it, like it, it passes as long the as test, we have that, right? Yeah. Okay, so I'll, I'll consider it. <laughs> um. Okay. Wow. This is awesome. Okay. Sorry. Long pause. Podcast. Okay. So... Yeah. We, we. Bro was just taken aback by a fucking arboreal grazer. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> I saw a video like someone was playing against it, and they're like, "What the fuck is this?" Yeah, it's like forest <laughs> grazer into rot farm pass. Like, okay, it's probably amulet, and then they're just like turned to grist or something. And, like, okay, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> yeah, fucking, I love that turn to grist. Like, oh, excuse me, that's illegal. <laughs> I just think it's so fucking funny because when I saw that, I was like, "There's no shot." And then I went and looked. I was like, "Wow, I guess like we're we're desperate or something." Two two Iggy's in the list. Uh, no birds of paradise. So it, you, uh, it's not Mandork. It's just put extra land in play. Yeah, which is a little weird. Yeah, but lands are a lot easier to to have a keep around than creatures a lot of the time too, though. Like yeah, red minus kill the bird cre- is. I was gonna say creatures are ammo for the Og Father. <laughs> right. I mean, outside of that, it's just normal list outside of this, these wacky different things. That's neat. Um, but all right, I guess we can get back to yeah, to the, yeah, the, the topic at hand. So, so pioneer RCQ. Yes, yeah, people are dying to know how he did. Um, so well, you already told him you went two two. Uh, right, right. Uh, so the first, my first loss was round one, which it is never where I want to start because that's like it means like as good as like I'm gonna have the worst like among the worst breakers in my um own bracket so if i'm like if i later go three and one or something i'm gonna be at the worst of the three one because i have that early loss so i think it's really helpful to not lose first round but to not lose early it's that tracks you're right i mean usually it's like you have to you have to get this this record of like i think it's like three one and one or four one and one if there's enough players and that's it was three it was three one and one right that's like the worst record you can get what that's usually the cutoff too like I think there may have been one X into because there was a lot of f- people who had to play the last round. No, because me and uh, Drew were the bottom two, right? And we were we were both the X one and ones. 
Right. Okay. Okay. That was that was what fucked it up. If Andrew played, then yeah, there was gonna be an exit too. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. So I get Perry gets crew of fires, and I think like, uh, I I I was talking off cast, but I feel like my I wasn't uh, I kind of kept a, a pretty crappy game one hand, and I think like seeing Karuga, I I can you know I know a little bit about what they're going to be playing and what's going to be important or whatever. So like, like I think I kept a seven with a fatal push or something. And that card is almost completely dead. It's, it's not going to be a good card in the matchup. Yeah. Like those, those, get, those get ripped up pretty quickly. And I was like, why did I, and I'm just like this lazy and didn't like evaluate. And there could be a good seven card hand with fatal push just as the, as a good, like, Ball to six, but maybe it has all the other parts. But it didn't have that. Like the Neoform, if I cast Neoform, it's going to resolve. Like, and ideally, you find cards that um, that help you know help you or whatever. But I lose game one. Game two goes a lot better. Um, I I believe it was uh, I had Galissa in play, and that just kind of steamrolled the matchup when he had to have removal for it. If there was ever a champion for that card. <laughs> Like you, you really show the light of which in my story too. I gotta talk about that fucking card whenever we get to my side. Right? Yeah, Glisten was a card where I was like, you know, it's it's being chatted about in in the in the Deoform Discord, and at first I was kind of like, dude, I don't know. I was and honestly, you know, I I jokingly everyone knows that I meme about Bankbuster. I'm like, no, I hate that card. And you know, speak of Sandra, I got banned from Sandra, which <laughs> is what I wanted. Yeah, but, but I saw that BNR. Because, like, I guess there's a Discord bot in, like, one of the Discords I'm in, and it, like, posted about the ban, so I went and looked. I was like, oh. I was like, that's fucking hilarious <laughs> that they banned Bank Buster. But that was a card, like, I hated that card. Like, you know, it you just draw so many cards, it just can whack you for four it, later on, and it's... it's I th- it does a lot. It does a lot. Like, the the typical, the Etron um thing that they used Holy to shit, do. pause. Real quick, pause. Okay. And was it three Kamigawa Neon Dynasty cards banned today, then? Uh, Fable, Bankbuster... And Invoke. And Invoke. Was Invoke? Yeah, Invoke was Kamigawa. Huh. You're right. We're back in Throne. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, holy shit. That is all three from Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. That's funny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. That's, that's good stuff. I, for some reason, I thought it was the like the set after or something, but uh, no, yeah, it's all okay. it's all thrown. Cool or thrown, neon dynasty, right? Okay, so so game three, uh, it, I, I lose game three. Um, I I don't remember any relevant uh, thing happening other than I just lost. Uh, going to my net second round, I get paired uh, against. I have no idea what this person. I I don't recognize this person. Um, but I see the that they're playing green white enchantments, and that felt like a pretty easy matchup. Um, because they can't attack through Atraxa, and uh, I have fatal pushes, and or it just lined up where he did not have a very good start. He had he had a the hexproof guy, um, and enchantments on it, but it just didn't matter. He was just so far behind. Game two, he plays super scared. Like turn, he is like turn one, turn zero, leyline of sanctity. I was like, okay, well, don't really care because I didn't have a discard uh, in my hand. And then turn two, I uh, had, I played founding into, uh, I put a chapter one. I have, I had the um, 
Terra Sunder. I was like, well, I guess I'll just get rid of it. Like, I have nothing else to do with this mana. I don't have strategic planning consider anything else uh, to do with founding. So I was like, I guess I'm just going to kill it. And then, you know, and then work towards my game plan. And I'm just like slowly uh, just being ahead. I thought he's in like turn five. He has no creatures and I don't have, I have like a ton of reaction. So I'm just like, yeah, you do your stuff out. I got Fatal Push and Ray of Enfeeblement. I'm just waiting for his uh, white creature to hit the table, and then I'll just just m- kill it. Like I just had multiple murders cards at hand, and I thought see, he had Light Paws in hand. I was like, why didn't you just play that? Like at any point, I was like, okay, well, I I, I was like maybe he wants to get Light Paws and and get value and wait for me to tap. I don't know. But I'm like I'm waiting. I take a random enchantment because I'm like I still like. I have the answer to the light pause in hand. And th- there's nothing more to report. I eventually get Neoform and reveal like another, like a third spot removal card. And he's like, yeah, we're done. So uh, round three, unfortunately I get paired against good buddy Alec, who I knew was on Absent Grease Fang. We played a three game set. Uh, I was able to get Neo f- or Attracts on before he can get the angels in play. So, uh, fortunately for me, I could, uh, like, when he attacks, I, I'll, I'll block an angel token, not the, um, not the lady, or not, or not the, um, Parhelion, not the lady, the Parhelion, um, I don't know, man. The lady. (laughs) The lady. Like, uh, uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. But I'm, like, swinging, and he's doing, like, with that next combat, He's dealing uh, 13 damage. I block one of the angels, so that's 9 damage, and I gain 8 life. So he's just swinging for 1 in those turns. Not doing it, stowed anything. Um, eventually, and I'm like digging for Fatal Push because he's at 8 life. And I'm like, he dies to Fatal Push. I don't find it, but he he's just never able to do anything. I actually drew a Beseju. Um, I like Neoformed again just to draw, like, you know, try to draw the fatal push to win, but I had Besaju in hand, so I was just like waiting. Uh, he wins game two. Game three, I, uh, I, I you know, honestly, I forget what happened, but I, I know I just won. So I think that was a, it was definitely a, a tur- there was a game where I cast Jagnatha and then I cast Neoform and cast Attraxa from hand using Jagnatha. I don't know if that was the game against Alec, but it doesn't matter. I, I know I, I've got Attraxa into play. Didn't find removal, didn't find Stubborn Denial because I was like, the only way he beats me is Liliana the Veil. And he, I think he milled one over, so he's at one less Liliana the Veil. He doesn't find it immediately. Always lucky. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately for Alec, he was a. Uh, he didn't have a great tournament. He went. He had a round one draw, which is the worst. Yeah, he he fought the good fight against control. He was. It was that was a swinging game up till the end. But he, uh, I think he was going to lose had there been a few more turns. I mean, he at least forced the draw, which is relevant. No, yeah, definitely. Yeah, he was definitely right to take the draw. Um, and then he got a loss, so he was. And then we get. And I get the pair down to get play against him because he's a one one. I'm one one, but he. Uh, but I'm able, but unfortunately, I'm the one who kind of forces his exit. But it's still like, um, that's unfortunate for him. 
Uh, go, going to the fourth round, this was my last round that I played. I gave paired against a uh, known, really good DFW player, Drew. Uh, is it Ifrit? Ifrit? I have no, I have no idea. Okay. I get paired against Drew, and I asked Jacob before, like, do, do we? Do you know what he's on? And I, I, I have a get guess that he's on mono white humans. And he said, I don't know, probably mono white humans. I was like, cool, thanks. I don't know, man. Probably, probably, the, probably the same deck he's played at every RCQ. Right, it's a safe, safe guess. Um, yeah, sure enough, he is on mono white humans. Uh, but he, he just steamrolls me. Uh, Cole, I do uh, a horrendous punt, the one that I hate that I did it. But basically. He he wins game one. I don't think there was anything on Gon's Greed Earth that could have done to change that outcome. But going to game two, uh, he plays uh, or I play Galissa. He answers with ossification, and I have a thought seize. His board presence is pretty mild. It's like not too threatening. And I thought seize and I see Adeline and Giant Killer. And for some reason, I was autopilot. Oh, Adeline's always the scariest card. And then I played. Uh, Hooding Mandrels. And I'm like close to helping or something. And then I'm like, why the hell did I take that card? Because Hooting Mandrels answers Adeline. Uh, but Giant Killer answers my life. Like, <laughs> it just is the, that is the best, that is the best card against me is Giant Killer. And I was, I couldn't believe, like, I, I and you know, the thing is, he's playing quick. I'm playing relatively quick because there's, and there's like so much time on the clock. It's like, I should just brain like a little bit more and just think like, okay, how bad is this for me? But I was just playing for some reason. I was just playing too quick, which is something I never do. I was playing too quick and I lost. And I think had I just, even just as simple as take giant killer, uh, I don't like, I basically just die on the spot because I took that card. And I think I could have had a, a good chance to, a much better chance to win. Unfortunately, I do not. I lose because of that. Uh, lose largely part of that play, and I'm at exit two, and I'm dead for top eight. Uh, last round, I get paired against Jacob, but he just uh, gives me the win and just leaves. Basically, I, he might hang around, but he was like, he didn't want to play the last round if we didn't have to, and we knew we were both dead for top eight. So, um, like a true grinder, once I'm dead for top eight, I'm done. So. So that was my tournament. Uh, just real quick, I think the deck was... I noticed the room had a lot of people playing Cole's deck. Uh, a lot of, like, big five-color greedy piles. Well, I was, well, they don't even know what I was playing. Okay, I, I, okay, I don't, I don't... Okay, okay. So not give it away. Uh, I'll say, I think the room... W- there was only one mono-green player, and I think, like, Lotus Field was a really good choice in that room. Maybe with the exception of uh, playing its Grease Fang, which there was Jacob and Alec. I think maybe even a third person was on Grease Fang in the room. And I think like Lowesfield could have, outside of that, and I guess people, it gets David Pierce. And David Pierce, he, he was on Boros Convoke. Uh, there was like two other people that made top eight. David Pierce was like in top 16. So it was like a good showing for Boros Convoke in the room. And not to go too too much farther, he, Pierce does not like. He thinks Lotus Field's favored, and I'm just like typically aggro decks just kind of steamroll Lotus Field. But um, he might be. Uh, I think it's it's probably just close. But I think Lotus Field would have been pretty good in that room, but it, it didn't work out like that way. But that's it for me, Cole. Uh, Cole, what did you play? Or I or tell tell what? us the story. I don't even know how I got there. 
Like got to well, the, I mean, the night before we were chatting about like what to play. I don't. You may have like asked other people advice too. Um, well, I, you weren't you and Jacob, and I didn't even take either of y'all's advice. Um, so day before, I, well, I guess so. I had gone to uh, Denver uh, with the uh, the team. Uh, and we. What team is that? Our team. Because we haven't Horizons. announced it on the pod. <laughs> no, we have not. We we need we need to do that. I guess this is now a better time than ever. Yeah, I know middle of a random podcast episode. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> I know Buddy listens to all of our episodes too. He told me so. Oh, that's well, awesome. Here we go. But yes, we are sponsored. Uh, uh both Brent and I and MTG Payable Tours are sponsored by uh Team New Horizons. Uh, we were picked up. Uh. They've been wonderful. They took me to uh, Denver with them to help them do a convention. It was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, that like they're great guys. Um, honestly, they've been really helpful with a bunch of stuff. Like, actually, Buddy just messaged me because I did well in the event that I got like store credit and shit. Um, so that's gonna be the same thing with you in the main event stuff. Yeah, that's cool. That's um, awesome. So yeah, so that's cool. Um, yeah, but they they've been great guys, Mister Tardiff and everything. And I I think Brent might be going to a trios event with two of the other team members. That'd be pretty cool. Um, going on though, we went to Denver and we came back, and it was like basically a week before the event. I had Rogues built, and I was like, I don't really want this. I was like, I don't play it. We we saw online the red white convoke deck was kind of running rampant, and I was like, man, this just doesn't feel like a good deck right now. That I want that I want to invest in. I was still dumping a lot of time and effort into Phoenix, like I always do. Um, which I was still pretty confident on Phoenix, honestly. Like I, I was still like real, real gun ho for it. Right. Um, but instead, I was like, well, you know what, man, I don't want this Rogues deck. I messaged a couple of buddies of mine, um, and I trade the Rogues deck for basically the whole five color mid range deck, minus like Anissa, but what we'll get to that in a minute. Um, because it just like got second in a challenge or something, and I was like, "Man, like, I want to play Omnath. He looks cool. Like, I want to be an Omnath player. Fuck it. <laughs> like, I'll I'll get the deck. And I like Brain Delight. I like Valky a lot. Like, Valky's one of my favorite cards to like fuck over your opponent with. Honestly, um, um. So I pick up the deck. It is. Uh, like we're getting closer to the time frame, and I'm like, man, fuck. I'm like really debating. So I messaged Brent. You were the only one I messaged about the decision. I was like, man, Brent, I have to fight. Oh no, we get to Wednesday. It's the day after I trade for the deck. I play at our Wednesday Pioneer thing, and I play the five color deck, and I like raffle the whole like venue on it. Um, like. Brent watched and everybody did and it was a lot of fun and I enjoyed it. It was actually a, one of the few meta decks that like I picked up and like thoroughly enjoyed playing besides just playing to play it. Right. Uh, it was just a lot of fun. I felt like I knew all the lines really well. Like I didn't make a lot of mistakes that like like, like it felt good. So I did that um, and then I like then I, like really started to question it and so the night before I can't sleep, and I messaged Brent and Jacob. I'm like, hey, like, I think... Well, I messaged you the day before. I'm like, what should yeah. I play? And you're like, I would play Omnath. And I'm like, that's that's fair. 
I trust Brent implicitly, so I, I lock it in. But I have this Nissa slot, and I fucking hate Nissa. She's awful. She just doesn't do anything. Bad card is bad. So I, uh, I can't. I don't get any sleep. Like I, I think I got like three hours sleep before the nerd hall. Um, but that night I'm just sitting there. I'm like, fuck, this card sucks. Like I hate it. It's not good. I can't believe I've dumped fucking thirty dollars on it, or not thirty. I dumped like forty. Then again, me and Brent have collectively fucking opened four. Um. Right. So, yeah, yeah. Fuck me, but um, yeah. So I'm like, man, this card sucks. I hate it in this deck. It's not good. So we kind of decide on Niv, like the new Niv, and I, I, I like that card. I still am a little like, I'm still kind of wanting to try him because he helps your late game against these other like five color decks, like immensely. Because like giving all your shit jump start is pretty, pretty powerful. Um, but I'm sitting there. I'm going through Twitter. And um, I'm like scrolling and I follow some people and someone posts on a list. They're like, here's a list that I would play for RC Dallas or that I am going to play for RC Dallas. And they played one Chrome host seed shark. And I was like, oh, I was like, I guess that makes sense. That's pretty cool. And then the challenge list goes up that morning and it's two Chrome host seed sharks. And I'm like, huh, I'm like, that's interesting. I'm like, well, you know, what? I'll try that. It seems right. I like Chrome host seed shark. In the RCQ, I'll, I'll come up and say right now, it like never really came up that it mattered. When you're winning, but, it allowed you to win more. Yeah, like, I mean, to be fair, I think the matchups that, like, that card would be for, I just never really faced it. Or, like, I'll go over my matchups in a minute. And it'll sure, kind of sure. Um, but, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, and then I, 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 like, also did... This is where I kind of fucked up, honestly, and I, I, I guessed our privatized RCQ a little too uh, too close because I did respect Boros. I just didn't really think it was going to be uh, like any kind of factor. And uh, of course there were three decks there and we'll get into that in a minute. Do I right. still had hate for it but I just didn't like I wasn't like uber locked in on like as much hate as some of these like Moto decks were playing. So I was like okay. um, So I, uh, all that, yeah, all that happens. Um, so I lock it in and I like, like, <laughs> go to the RCQ and we play round one and everyone is super confused because I revealed Jagatha as my companion. People are like, oh, okay, well, he's probably on Answer because I always talked about how I should play that deck at some point. Uh, and then I would like try on pass and everyone was like, what? <laughs> um, but yeah, like, uh, before I get into it, that deck. I, I w- I'm gonna so we're going I'm not gonna do LCQs the money's just not lining up for me and I just don't really want to buy a three day pass so I'm, I'm probably just gonna do the 10k and message Brent all day on Saturday you know make sure he's doing well I, I might do a three day pass if I can get somebody to go with me but I don't know if I want to dump like $100 in LCQs like going forward though if I were to play in LCQs I would lock this deck in Uh, how the tournament went was my round one was against this black green mid range deck, and I don't know if you know this about the five color mid range deck, but it blows out the other mid range decks. Like your top decks are just fucking absurd, right? And your cards are all like five for ones. <laughs> you play Valky, and Valky is gross. Um. So yeah, and then the next round I play against Enigmatic. It's the new Karuga build that everybody's on. 
And honestly, like I like having five copies of Elishnorn in your library is pretty gross. <laughs> and that's how I won that. Yeah. Uh, and these these games are really really quick. Round three. Let me see. I texted Drew because Drew was really interested. Oh, round three was the other enigmatic. Yeah, so round three, I played another enigmatic, and like game one, I just didn't find the right cards to line up. Game two, I crushed him, and then game three, like I think we had like literally everybody in the in the building surrounding us. Oh, like, it was, yeah, it, it was a really close game, and it just like barely got out from under me. Um, like he apparently, from what JV was telling me, he like fucking runner, runner, runner on the last like turns that it mattered. Um, and he also played Clever Impersonator, which was incredibly relevant. Yeah. Um, but going on. So yeah, and then my next round was against uh, our good buddy, and he was on Jund. Uh, his like take on Jund, it was like a black red deck, just splash green. It was a good deck, but like I said, my deck kind of like gets to crush on the other mid range decks. And then we drew, we draw round five. Because we're locked in, me and me and my opponent. Yeah, I think David Pierce is. Uh, he said that you and Drew, being the top of your X and one, we had like the best like breakers in the whole building. Yeah, y'all had very good breakers, and Dave and David said if you get paired against Drew, uh, you could ID in to seventh slash eighth or like you know bottom top eight. And I was like immediately before the round starts, I go over to like Colt, you can draw this. And I think you probably could have figured that out yourself, but I just wanted to like tell that to no, you. No, I, I, I never am confident in that shit. I always, I always am like, oh, please, someone like smarter than me, tell me yeah. what I can do here. Yeah, I think David Pierce just got his second lot, or he was maybe in a win it in, so he was like really invested in the math. I, I know enough of the math to know I was out at at, at two and two at the time. So, um, but yeah, we we frankly went over to you like, hey. Let, don't draw you're good um but yeah uh and then my first round is against a good family member Cade who is borrowing my Boros deck or I guess Brendan's Boros deck yeah and game one was he got to do the nuts game two I blew him out and then game three I mold a five and it's a it's like a super close game I like just stabilize with an extinction event and then he top decks a whacker and it puts me in a one. And I was, it was super, super close. Honestly, though, uh, what I was getting at is I would play, I'm, I, I am going to play this deck this weekend. Uh, I'm going to make a few changes. I am actually leaning towards another deck though. So they had a recent challenge, um, happen. Uh, obviously, you know, over the weekend pioneer challenges happened and another five color deck got second. Um, it is uh, it's elementals with Nissa, uh, and it plays probably one of my favorite cards of all time, which is Risen Reef. Uh, I fucking love that card. Okay, and uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you're looking at it. It's the I think it's four color mid range. Yeah, four color mid range. Yeah, it plays four Nissas. It's still a. Uh, yeah, it looks fun. I'm going to get the stuff for it because we have four Nissas because I'm just missing, like, the Risen Reefs, but... After all the Nissas that we acquired for for Drew, so he can play his Lotus Cobra or, like, big mana ultimatum deck, 
You're just gonna take him right back. Oh man, he messaged me today sending me blue eye control list. Okay. Well he's all right, he's a lost cause then. No, just... well, he he grew up. <laughs> Did he though? Did he though? Um Okay, I'm looking at it now. Um yeah, Nissa Risen Reef. And you gotta play the Omnath Locus of the Royal. I fucking love that card. <laughs> Escape to the Wilds. I don't know, Valky. Like it's really it, all the Bring to Light decks are just Valky decks, and you you can't do that. There, are, there was one recently that I saw that had Valky on the board. To like respect Boros, they had like way heavier, uh, like sweeper mains. Okay. Weird. Okay. So if you were okay, so you said you would like run it back slash. Oh, I'm I'm locking it in for the 10k. I'm probably gonna lock it in. Yeah, Bring to Light. Yeah. Well, that hurts because, like, Phoenix is literally staring at me right now, and, like, I fucking love Phoenix. I think it's not in a bad spot right now. I actually think it's in a good spot. I just, like, after the, like, how the deck felt, like, even the Boros, like I said, even the Boros matchup felt, like, really good. And I'm picking up cards as we speak to, like, I'm picking up Radiant Flames, a bunch of other shit. To make that matchup is even more better, like even better, right? Uh, yeah, honestly, I'm probably not gonna get the fucking the other tech. Um, so what? What is uh? So we both, I think we both could have said like, yeah, we knew David Pierce was gonna be on Boros Convoke, and well, so we K- also knew that Cade. Yeah, we did yeah. okay. Uh, and I think we would have just stopped there, but there was at least one other person, and all there three of these Hayden. people hate hate it. Yeah, that's not surprising, but. And they no, all did like, really I mean, good. We could have called if I would have looked at the list, like we could have made that call better too. I think so. Yeah. Because like we didn't really look at the list. I didn't know who was all coming. Um I I'm gonna know. throw it out there because I'm gonna message him here in a second to listen to this episode. Um so my cousin, the good brother Red Chambers. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh has played maybe fucking ten seconds of Magic the Gathering. He went three and two and got tenth. On mono red, and I know some people like will listen to this like, well, he didn't top eight. It's like whatever, dude. The at the whole room, uh, was chanting that motherfucker's name. It was so cool to see that. It like when yeah. he when he left, everyone was like, "Holy shit! I can't believe he did that." Because it, it was cool. It was like a legitimately cool moment to see someone who's like never really played Magic. Like him and I grew up together, obviously, and like we we were both competitive Pokemon grinders. But like he's barely touched magic. I like we li- me and Brett literally like walked him through the deck before that weekend. Right. Yeah. We yeah. And I played against him on Wednesday. And we were. Um, I was helping as much as I could because he, like, there was a spot where like he he could attack. I could block with. I was playing the same deck, and he could uh, bolt his own cre- wizard lightning his own creature to prevent my life gain because he burned me so low, and he he was like. He, like he, he didn't realize you could bolt your own creatures like he went so he like and I, I don't want to sound like how could he not know because he you know he, he came from a different world to come here and all of a sudden just like play the deck really well I, I don't think he did anything wrong just in the little bits I was watching him um, no yeah like I mean like he we gave him a very vague idea of what cyborging meant and right. like, he did that really well like honestly for like basically being like a small infant thrown into the world. It, it, honestly, yeah. 
It, it was a it was a stacked room too. It had lots like, of yeah, good players. Yeah, he played the red white deck twice, and he didn't really like have an idea of like how fast it was. So like, that's a, that that's was the a only tough deck. He lost. Yeah. Yeah. Everything else he like waffled. Like right. he he tore it up. Like I'm thoroughly impressed. I'm really proud. Him and I are talking about doing the 10k together. So we'll see. Yeah, and I I wish that uh we because we wanted to, you may have helped him actually, but we were talking about building like actually building with sideboard guy just to kind of help him as much as we can. Um, but I I mean I I know I didn't. I mean either. we didn't. I didn't get a chance to really make him one. One. I mean I just like told him like here's the cards that are bad. But I mean to be fair, like with red, like it you know you only have so much flexibility honestly. Yeah, like how how like how much of face are you cutting? Right. Right. But he was a very reserved red player too. Like there were times that he knew when creatures were more important than like face, right? Which is a very you know like adult red thing to do. Yeah. Like a lot of you know newer red players will, like always go face, never not go face. Yeah. And he he was very reserved. Like he would have games like against like our buddy John. He was playing against red red black sack, and he was like, "Well, I know, ma'am, that will kill me." So yeah. Yeah, and I, I was watching. Yeah, I kind of caught the end of that game, and I was like, "Oh man, red's like." Uh, he looked it, good. Yeah. He looked good. Yeah, it, I was like, he had three lands, like one card in hand, and uh, John was at five. I was like, okay, it's it's definitely still alive. Like I was like, I was kind of more looking at the resources he had, but you know, it doesn't take much. And then he just like just has fi- he just uh, 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 has five points of burn, just untaps five points of burn, exactly. So I was like, that's beautiful. That's good stuff. Anyway. But yeah, that was that was uh that was my biggest achievement of the week. No, <laughs> that, no, that was awesome, and I'm really glad that he did so well. Like I told him, I could have scrubbed out, and I still would have been super happy with how he did. No, oh yeah, for sure. Like he, like I would argue, he may have did like for where he came from. He probably he did better than both of us. Oh, easily. Yeah. So I think now we'll get to the point of the episode where Brett won't stop talking because I also got food. So this is perfect for me. <laughs> um, my wings up just came in. Okay. So this is great, Brett. It's phenomenal. Well, I'm I'm proud of you. We had a we had a listener reach out to us and ask Brett to give a a deck deck for a deck he doesn't fucking play. I play it. Oh my god, no, you don't. I play others. I play lots of stuff. You do? No, I mean we both have a very big repertoire of shit we play. Yeah, which is nice. But I do think this is very helpful because, like, out of Pioneer decks, I think yours is that like the deck we're about to talk about is the hardest. Uh, it probably is. I think the Boros Convoke deck could also be kind of difficult too. I think it's difficult in the sense of like, but what you know, being it, you kind of over eager. Yeah. Well, I think being over eager is what kills that deck. Like, if you're like, oh man, fuck it, yeah, floor it. Like, like when I watched Cade play, he was very reserved on like a lot of plays. He's like, well, I'd rather like value this Burning Tree better than a two-two. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, like I think the deck we're about to talk about, and if you don't know, it's Lotus. I think we said it at the beginning of the episode. Yeah. So I'll do a little bit of this. I don't know how long we can go. I do have work in the morning, unfortunately. Very early in the morning. Yeah. I, and, and you're a trooper because you just got off work, jumped into this basically in our recording studio. Yeah, it was studio. either today or like, because I know you're going to do modern tomorrow and I'll probably go up there anyways to hang out. Right. Uh, and then obviously I work until like 10 on Wednesday and then I'm off Thursday. Yeah. So. And we had like, you know, we try to do every other week and I, I'd like to kind of stick to that schedule. No, we're going to start doing that again, too. I, I know we talked about it a little bit, but like our lives, like I was gone for I was literally gone for a week for Denver. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was gone for a whole week. And then, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, life happens. And like, like, yeah, you had the Denver trip. I had a 
You were on I think call it was, hell. Yeah, I was on call hell. Like stuff, you know, life happens. But all right, Brett, I'm gonna yeah. give you the floor. Okay, so yeah, I'll I'll take over for a little bit. So basically, what I want to talk about was Lotus Field, like a general overview, and maybe uh, maybe you'll get some value out of this if you do, or if you're trying to dabble into Lotus Field. I know, uh, you know, John, he's asked me a little bit about the deck Lotus Field, and. I, I believe another gentleman, I can't, I can't think of his name, but they, we talked about Lotus Field and yeah, the good buddy you're talking about, Ryan Pollock, he, uh, had like, he screenshot the deck. like, yes, I'm going to play this deck. And he kind of asked me a few questions and I kind of wanted to do this for him, but also for some of our listeners, uh, to, to kind of what I think is important to know about the deck and, and play it well. And I have like a few like subcategories and about the deck and and these are what I think is like important to kind of know. So I'm gonna start with like the actual uh opening hand of what you're looking for in your opening hand. Uh because and this kind of goes into the, the other subcategories later, but I like to call this deck it's very similar to Mono Green Tron in that you need to have like the right pieces to have your Tron lands like you know mono green Tron just to be very brief you keep hands that could give you access to Tron usually you it's almost like you had guaranteed to have to you have to have it on turn three otherwise the hand is so much worse but so you keep hands that are all about tutoring for a Tron land or having or like two Tron lands expedition map that finds the third one stuff like that or a way to cast Sylvan Scrying for uh, for the third one, and then having a big turn three to a, a game-winning threat. It used to be Worm Coral Engine, could be Karn Liberated, uh, Karn the Great Creator to find a you know two for stuff like that. This is very very similar. Where the op- the what the cards in your opening hand are so important, and the the the, the Toronto equivalent here as, as you play your lands out through the turns will be a land, a land, a Lotus Field. Sacrifice the first two lands and Thespian Stage, and then at usually at the end step or when uh, it's the windows open, you copy Lotus Field Thespian Stage, and you have access to six mana, and then you go to your turn. So you have six mana, and up to a seventh mana uh, with a land drop. So that's you know knowing that you kind of look at certain hands if you have like. Uh, Moxfield and you have like a sample deck or even MTG Goldfish you can like there's a lot of like websites where you do sample hand um, so that's probably a good good practice too where you just kind of like go through and look at it sometimes you, you're going to be forced to um, have like maybe you have Lotus Field two other lands and a Impulse which is one of the you know a card that's in the deck you, you have to look at that sometimes and say, okay, well, this will need to find the Thespian stage, or this will need to find the Lotus Field, or something like that. You need you need one of them, and you probably like you have to be willing to like Tron. You have to be willing to to mulligan down a little bit. Sometimes, like you, you if the hands don't function, you got you got to pitch it, you know. So that's something to keep in mind. Uh, and it, the whole deck, you know, the deck is um. It, it's kind of, it's incredibly important to do that. And I, some, some people ask me, can you win with only one Lotus field? And I think the answer is almost just a no. Uh, you, you can, uh, if you have, uh, certain sequences, but really for the most part, you want to look at, you don't want to say like, Oh, this, this hand will win with just one Lotus field. Like, cause that's just usually not the case. 
So that's so it's very similar to Tron. The people behind you need to find a way to have Lotus Field, Thespian Stage, two of their lands. So maybe cantrips like Impulse, ideally will find it. A Sylvan Scrying will do it, uh, and and things like that. Uh, so that's that's keepable hands. Uh, next is when you get to that point. So I, I subcategory math. When you get to that point where you have your 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 Lotus Field, and usually it's Thespian Stage. It's important to know like what you can do, and this this category is probably less important than maybe it historically has been. Um, but it's important to know like how much mana you have access to, and how much mana you add, but with your spells. And I think this is incredibly important. So, uh, with Lotus Field Thespian Stage, Hidden Strings will just pretty generically it's plus four mana. And tap tap it for six. Cat spend two of it to go down to four mana and you untap it. So basically you're at the same point, but you added four mana. So if you have like a good action cards, hidden strings and omniscience, you have six mana plus the four from hidden strings gets you up to 10 mana, cast omniscience, and then you kind of have easy mode. Like a lot of the times when we get, I'll talk about comboing and winning later, but like that's that's something. Uh, Poor of the pages is uh, add one mana, uh, draw three, discard one basically, because you'll tap, for six, spend five of it to cast Pour of the Pages. You have one remaining. You untap your lands. You drew a bunch of cards. Pour of the Pages is like the most powerful card in the deck. Um, along I with actually fucked that card. I hate that card. It, right. <laughs> uh, uh, also, the another one is Vizier of Tumbling Sands. That is basically uh, th- you tap a land, spend this for three mana, spend two of it to unta- to untap it, draw a card. So it's uh. Add one mana, blue mana, draw a card. It's pretty simple math there. Uh, and the more advanced math is like uh, the card... I, I keep blanking on the card name. It's the... Uh, Dark Petition. That's the Magic Origins Cantrip... Or uh, Cantrip. Uh, tutor. Uh, if you have Spell Mastery, you... Uh, so basically it's five mana to, to draw a card. If you have Spell Mastery, which is two... It's a, or more instant sorcery spells in your graveyard, you add three black mana. So this with tutoring for hidden strings will add two mana. So you'll spend six of it, or you'll tap for six, spend five of it, floating a blue. Blue is important. Uh, tutor, add three black mana because you are, have spell mastery. Then you get hidden strings. So you have blue, black, 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 and then you spend blue, black, to untap, and now you have black, black, with two untapped uh, lotus fields. And really from that point, you can just cast an ultimatum. Uh, the one last one, it does certainly come up, uh, especially if you want to get to your 10th mana or something like, or like the uh, a key threshold, usually like 10th mana for uh, for omniscience is usually the, the example I can think of, where if you have Balorged recovery in, the, in hand and hidden strings in the graveyard, uh, if you tap for six, tap one for green. So you have green, 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 blue, blue, blue. Battle get recovery, get hidden strings. You have blue, blue, blue floating. Cast hidden strings. Uh, you still have blue floating. You untap them both. So you have one blue floating with two uh, untapped lotus fields. So that is like one additional mana, but I've certainly done that plenty of times. Okay, uh, so that's kind of uh, math. 
the math section. That's usually I'll do that. I'll look at like, okay, how much man do I have? And there's plenty of times where I'd run a build that has peer into the abyss, um, where the, the magic number is like nine mana. So, uh, with seven mana to cast peer into the abyss and then two more mana to untap for the hidden strings or vizier to, to untap and con- continue comboing. So, um, there's plenty of times where I want to count to get to nine if I appear in the abyss in hand and then I could cast it, target myself, draw half my library and and with two extra mana you can continue comboing. Like a lot of times I would win because I cast peer into the abyss. So comboing, th- this has, uh, I, I know historically that with the, the old Wish version, I had talked about the Wish version before but th- those, I, I don't, I think we're we don't play that anymore. Like Brian Kirk doesn't have the deals for that anymore. I don't do that anymore. I play the emergent ultimatum builds. So, so emergent ultimate is often the card that you is is like also a payoff. Usually, a lot of lists will use three copies of this card, and usually the piles are important of what you or the three cards you select. I know with the the version the version of Losville I was playing most recently. A lot of times what I would choose is um, peer to the abyss, like the three cards, appear to the abyss, pour over the pages, and omniscience, where really they can't give you, let you draw half your deck and untap lands or ca- or draw half your deck and then give you omniscience. Like you just, they can't give you peer to the abyss. So that's like my stockpile. So they're, they're kind of resigned to just give you pour over the pages and omniscience. So you draw three. And you have all spells cost, or you have omniscience in play, so you have a, a pretty easy ways to win. Uh, Emergent ultimatum also can get. Uh, I mean, it, it, that's usually the pile I get. Sometimes you want Lear in that pile as well, so you can start flashing back spells while, as you're kind of comboing, comboing. Getting Lear back allows you to recast your pour of the pages, hand shrinks, things like that. Uh, so final, and there's a little bit more ultimate emergent ultimatum, but that's kind of uh, all I kind of care to talk about. <laughs> but uh, but finally, let's go into winning the win conditions, and this is like the almost the least important part of the deck. But I guess you have to win somehow. And it's changed recently as the time of this. Um, recording kind of the win con has changed a little bit um but i'm going to put in my sample list but i'm going to go over the new one as well so my list and be sure to check the show notes too if you want to see what I, what i'm referencing is there's two win conditions it's either peer to the abyss or or uh, layer of the hydra what you do it to win with the the template list is you cast peer to the abyss target your opponent seven or eight times, and you could do that with Lear flashing back uh, all the all these spells too. So, to put it simply, you can cast uh, if you cast. I, 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 I don't want to go too deep in the math, but if you cast eight times, you can deal up to. They have to be at over two hundred and fifty-five life points to stay alive after casting it eight times. But when they do that, you're also they're forced to draw cards, and you will deck them before that too so there's no like oh I have infinite life I'll, I'll win situation that doesn't happen here because they'll they'll get decked as well 
Um, really, but really what happens is you just combo off, you have Lyrian to play, and with Balagad Recovery and Peer into the Abyss combo, you can keep picking up your uh, Peer into the Abyss, cast it, target your opponent, and then with Balagad Recovery, pick it up again, cast again, target your opponent, and then with Lyr and enough mana, but presumably by this point you, ha- you do have uh, abundance of, of mana. You flashback Balagad Recovery from the graveyard, pick up Peer to the Abyss, cast it on them again and so you cast it up you know five six seven times until they die the other method this one's like a little like we would do less of is layer of the hydra win so you could either and the problem you don't have to just have like layer of the hydra into play before the the trick is thespian stage basically with Lier in play and let's say they have Lier and like three block like two blockers or something like that as you're comboing, eventually you're just cast hidden strings and tap down their blockers. As you add a mana, like with Pour of the Pages, Peer to the Abyss, or Pour of the Pages, Hidden Strings, uh, at a certain point with Thespian Sage tapped, you can just uh, copy Lair of the Hydra and then have an untap effect like Cycle Vizier or Hidden Strings again. And then with all this mana, you, it, you just make a big Lair of the Hydra and you just attack and, and kill them. Um, it's very trivial to have 20 or more mana with, you know, with Omniscience in play, Hidden Strings is at 6 mana, Pour of the Pages is at 6 mana, you know, stuff like that. It's very easy to just add mana when you have Omniscience and you kind of have, at the point you are winning the game. Uh, and so that so those are the two win cons with the stock list. Uh, right now, there's a third, a lot of people are playing Chandra Hope Speaking. Uh, Cole, that was our perhaps our Ledger Shredder card of the set, a card we barely talked about at <laughs> we, all. We kind of like BS'd about her. <laughs> yes. Because uh, there's a blue red taking turn set. So you played a little bit yourself, Cole. Um, Shut up. Okay. And now and I was talking to Hayden, and Hayden's a, a, a great mind and someone I really like talking to. Um, I, lo- I love hearing his takes and stuff like that. And he basically said Chandra Hope Speaking is. is what he's he, he what he's going to play at Dallas is Lotus Field with Shadow Hope speaking as the win con. Um, but I'm going to go over that real quick. It's pretty simple. Um, so w- if you have like the combo in hand, or if you have omniscience and and making mana, actually you don't even need mana. Um, you have and you would need all three Balagan recoveries and Shadow Hope speaking. So with two Balagan recoveries are in the graveyard for you know whatever reason. Cast Chandra, the third Balagate Recovery needs to be in hand. You cast it, copy, pick up both other Balagate Recoveries because, you know, Chandra says the next spell, instead of sorcery spell, you, it, you copy it. So you say Balagate Recovery, pick up this one and this one. Grab those. Chandra minus five, deal five to two targets. So you just like five them. Then he cast Balagate Recovery, pick up Chandra. So now Chandra is back in hand. One Balagate Recovery is back in play. Cast Chandra. I'm missing something here. I'm sorry. Let me... I might have to edit this out. Well, if you're getting two... Uh, what's that card back? Can't you just get like a writ so that you can keep going oh, off? So, no, no. So I'm sorry. So you're, you're, you already have one Balagate Recovery in, in the graveyard. That's where I'm missing. You have one Balagate Recovery because that picked up the other two. Then you... 
cast a, a second copy to pick Chandra to get Chandra. So Chandra is back in hand. You have Balgar recovery still in hand. Two Balagans are in the graveyard. Then you cast Chandra. Then you cast Balagan recovery. Copy. Pick up the other two. And then Chandra minus five. You just continue doing that loop, and it's infinite damage. That's that's what uh, that's I was blanking. I was like, I know it works, but yeah, with three Balagan recoveries, two in the graveyard, one in your hand. Your Balagad recovery can just pick up the fir- the other two, and the Chandra minus five, and then get Balagad recovery, pick up Chandra, and you just keep doing cycling that loop. It's infinite damage. Um, so that that's that is the win. That's the new win con. Uh, the other utility for Chandra is also if you happen to have like Chandra and access to pour over the pages, hidden strings, stuff like that, you just make yourself a lot of mana. Chandra also gives you two of that mana back. So if you have uh, nine mana. I got a little bit of math. Nine mana. Cast Chandra. You're down to three mana. Plus two. Add two mana. So you have five. You can cast pour over the pages. You know. You and basically you cast. You draw six. Um. You know stuff like that. So the the uh, f- is it the fork when you just copy a spell? Anyway, that effect is just so strong. That's kind of what makes Chandra so interesting. On top of uh, the plus two, add two mana, the minus five, minus X, which is the win con, and then the plus one is kind of the, kind of just whatever. But, um, I don't think it'd come up in Lotus Field. Like you, you have turns where you just like I just need to win the game, and that's what you're gonna do. So that's that's the deck, Cole. Uh, uh, oh, fi- like final selection f- uh, section, I should say, is sideboarding. Uh, it's somewhat straightforward. Uh, I'll be kind of brief. A lot of times people, uh, and, you know, we talked about Zakama, that will come in in creature matchups and uh, other, like, you know, aggro matchups. I think I would, I'd, pr- I'd probably bring it in versus uh, the the Blitz deck because you can just bolt down their creatures and you just have a great blocker. There's not really anything they can really do about it and it gains life too. Um, so the combo play would probably come in on top of sweepers. That, package is pretty universal of, of things to do where it's like alright they're, they're going to go wide and stuff like that I need sweepers and things like that um, the pithing needle you probably see at least two copies in a lot of lists maybe up to three uh, that comes in against monogreen because you can't beat Karn the great creator ever um, it has so many cyber bolts to just annihilate you Usually, like, Damping Sphere, if they're playing that, that sucks. If they have Pything Needle, uh, they, and they can get it down before Thespian Stage, that stinks. Um, alternatively, they can get Besage, like, turn off Besageu. After after getting Damping Sphere or something, like, it it, it just stinks. Uh, so that's, you have Needle to kind of hopefully play that on turn one to turn off the car and the Great Creators altogether and try to win that way. But that's a pretty tough matchup. Um, some will play Dragonlord Dramoka. That would come in against... Um, I guess you know control and other matchups where they're you, they're you're expecting them to play counter magic. Uh, you're seeing if you look at my list, the most recent list I've done is <laughs> as four silences, so that's just one mana uh, deal with that, which is a pretty powerful card at a lot of spots. And I think that's mostly it as far as sideboarding with my list, but you'll may see other cards like Dragon Dramoka, of course. Uh, Sphinx of the Final Ward and against control matchups. Uh, there's also cards like Voyaging Seder, other untappers. I I don't really like these type of cards personally. Um, your mileage may vary, but I just like post board. I don't 
think we necessarily care about just untapping like untapper creatures and the logic is they board out their spot removal their fail pushes their fiery impulses stuff like that so you can play these little idiot creatures or whatever but i i don't think like these creatures are are high enough impact for me to really care about them uh so i I don't really like those too much and i guess that's it uh cole i added a new section uh just called hating it out oh okay so this one might be uh <laughs> so this so how do how do I uh what do I do like the like you're, let's say you're going to Nerd Halla and okay. out of the six people playing three of them are Lois Field which happened recently <laughs> what what do I do leave uh, play, well, are you are you asking me as a Phoenix player it's leave uh against Phoenix yeah against Phoenix that's often a very good matchup um we have a uh... We've kind of cashed it in on my, <laughs> on meeting meeting Lotus. <laughs> uh, you have cards that actually you could argue that have interact. You can interact sometimes, but yeah, it sucks. It's so rough. like you have to bake on Alpine Moon, and that card sucks against everything else. And like, like Phoenix, it's funny because when you think about it, Phoenix and Lotus have been around in Pioneer for a very long time, right? And they've always like had this like one cannot beat the other. <laughs> yep. Which I think is fine. Like, if I was yeah. going to beat Lotus, I think I'd play Rabble Masters. Like, that's a really fast clock. And if I can, like, out-tempo you, quote-unquote, <laughs> then, like, I'm going to win. Like, Rabble's going to kill you. Like, right. super, super fast. Yeah, that's true. I, I think, like, maybe not you, the Phoenix player, but maybe, like, what card would you want to, like... Uh, I mean, I if, think... if, if you're heavy in, in, in room full heavy of Lotus Field, like I think usually the go-to is like either the Damping Sphere, because it, it like if you're just talking about like cards that also can hate out other things, like Damping Sphere is a good one. I think Alpine Moon's also fine. Um, I think it's like really like those two, right? That, like actually actively can hate out that deck. Like those are the the like it, we can't like. If you put a damping sphere on the table, the deck can't win. Like it just stone yeah, cannot win. Yeah. They have to answer it. It's the same thing with the Alpine Moon. Right. Yeah. Any, uh, anything that stops the Lotus from being a Lotus, really. Right. Uh, you could also do cards like uh like Reversal for the for for that, or even like and talk about silence. Like I don't yeah, know. Silence if you're is probably, I think silence in my opinion is probably like the most hardcore one for right. to beat you. I also do rest in peace as well, like as a. You, it, but oh, let me let me say this: rest in peace does like it, you do need the rest in peace. Uh, I think Rip is like to, the to weakest. But as you're comboing, you'll find the Besedjur or Ottawara, so it's it's not that good. Well, so like, my thing is like with Alpine Moon and Damping Spirit, it's like you play like four Sylvan Scryings and like two Besedjus. Yes. So yeah, it's like it's not going to be hard. And your deck is basically just a bunch of filter. It, like like you said, it's Tron. Like yes. Your deck is a bunch of do-nothings, cycle my deck until I get to the critical point. So, yeah. like you're, you're right, yeah. Yeah, I think, like, my hate would probably be one of those. If I was going to, like, tell a player, like, hey, there's going to be, like, 17 Lotus players in this 40-person tournament, like, confirmed, I would be like, what colors are you in? Because, like, if you're in black, like, you do get access to, um, uh, I mean, shit, you could try to get to six mana to thought distortion them. Um <laughs> But yeah, if you're like, about a black devotion, sure. Yeah, but like Go Blank's a good one. That is a good one. Yeah. Um it's always really annoying. Like an unresolved like un like a lily. Um 
Yeah. Duress, of course. Yeah. Like, you know, more more Thossi's effects is good. Yeah. Like those cards are like what you want. Like, and if you're in blue, like just hard counter spells, like summary dismissals are a good one. The four mana counter. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, just get rid of everything on the stack. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's, oh, Archon of Amiria is probably like the strongest card against you. Oh, that's, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a, Really good card. A card you like literally can't beat. Like literally Lotus Lotus at a point was dead because one of the best decks in the format was green white. I remember that. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Lotus Lotus was a dead deck. Yeah, and, and if you're like if you're playing your you know, your bring to light deck, you could have um I guess put one on the main, I guess. Or you have slaughter games too. Yeah, slaughter um, games is good. And yeah, other, Brain like, has a Brain to Light yeah. has a, a tough matchup because like that's why I like Brain to Light plays Lavinia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that right. stops you. You can't even cast anything. Right. So another card that needs to be answered, and that's not hard. that's very difficult for for yeah, the deck. Like it, we talked about, you know, earlier we talked about like enchantment and artifact, um, you know, permanents that affected your deck. But it's like with the addition of Besaju, those are way weaker now because they're right. easier to answer. Like, yeah, you want threats like uh, like Lavinia. Like Archon of Emeria, like threats that he no. has to like. You only have access to one Odawara. Yeah. So. Yeah. And as far as like decks, I think that it, the, the decks that kind of beat up Lotus Field, I'm just like look at the Pioneer metagame. I'd probably say like Rakdos and Green. I, I I think Rakdos like I I would feel comfortable with that matchup. Green just, like it just, to me it just depends because like as a Phoenix player sure. I say the same thing, but then you know, you hit the Rakdos guy that didn't want to lose to like spell decks and you like. <laughs> That's Six true. Six hand checks on the board. It's like, oh fuck! Like, I mean, yeah, they they could they could turn the dials and adjust accordingly. Like, they could just have yeah. That's four. the thing. The wonderful thing about Rakdos, because like, if, if they just play a turn two blood tithe and they just hand check you to hell, like you're probably dead. Yeah, right. And then like yeah. a turn four Shieldred that's like can't the, like you can't answer. <laughs> right. Uh, but like other, you know, other decks like uh, Grease Fang, I think is is quite a bit faster than Lotus Field. If you have like, I would keep. Hands that would win quickly. Um, yeah, not... I just think like from my Grease Fang play, like I think it really depends because it's like how hard can you mulligan to try to like get a speedy, speedy hand? Sure. Without just yeah. like having a Garbo hand. Yeah. Yeah, like I mean, like I know BTL has had good game against Lotus before because of like you know slaughter games and just being able to interact game two and three with like Lavinia. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, otherwise, like I think that matchup, like I think game one, like that matchup's abysmal. Yeah. Yeah. Like you have like chain to the rocks that doesn't do anything, and then leyline binding. Like <laughs> if you go for an omniscience, that does something. Right. Like I have seen that come up, where like you go for omniscience and they're like binded, and you're like, oh, I lose. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I would say like g- g- generic aggro is is somewhat. Like mono white humans, uh, blue white spirits are also like. I think blue white spirits is probably very rough. Like being a yeah. tempo counter, but the the thing about that though is it comes under the same thing as Phoenix, where like their counter magic has a price. Yeah, like that's a thing. Like yes, it's soft counters too. Uh, well, the mono blue spirits are soft counters. There's a lot. There's less in the blue white version, but yeah. But yeah, I mean that that's what I would say. Okay, I think that's that's. And so I think that's kind of covers everything with with Lotus Field. Um, just information I thought would be relevant for those who want to play it or considering it, and you know stuff like that. That like it's important to keep good hands. It's important to know the math to see how far you are from casting this high impact spell. 
um, how do you, how to win. I mean, that's the easy part, but um, stuff like that. So Colt, let's do, uh, let's talk about Arclight Phoenix. I think we'll have to save that one for another episode because I do need to wrap it up. Okay, so we'll yeah. talk about that next time. So for those who made it this far, it's Cole's fault that we didn't hear about it, but that sounds, <laughs> that sounds uh, okay. <laughs> honestly, um, I, I, we, we will do a whole episode about, uh, or like I, I think we'll do another episode because I know the, the beginning of this episode, like we took a whole hour to talk about the RCQ and yeah. other things, and then we wrapped it up with... Uh, with uh, Brent's Lotus talk, which is really riveting. Like, I should talk Lotus a lot because I hate playing against it. But, like, I mean, it is very interesting to listen about, like, the ins and outs. Because I did play Lotus when Lotus was, like, popular at the beginning. And I never really truly uh, understood it. Right. Like, I didn't have a good grasp on, like, what the deck, like, wanted to look like and what it meant and blah, blah, blah. Um, right. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, um... Yeah, I, like I probably an episode soon we'll do where we talk about our pet decks. Like you could go over Neoform Atraxa. Sure. And I can go over Phoenix. I don't know. Our Discord's been blowing up asking me questions about fucking five color. Yeah, I mean you're you're the five color guy. Yeah, so. apparently. I mean I like I it I'm not I, I hate bragging. I mean I love bragging about myself, but I'm trying I'm trying to process like how to say this without sounding like a total asshole. I made the, like, I looked good playing the deck, I guess. Like, I didn't look like I didn't know what was happening. Like, I looked, I guess the word confident. I looked confident. So maybe I am the five-color guy. I don't know. The deck felt great. Like, honestly, um, like, Brent was super enthralled by it. Yeah, I, I, there's a chance on Wednesday I take the deck box from you and I play it myself. Yeah, if you want to borrow it, I'll bring it up Tuesday. Yeah, like, honestly, like, it was, I like I said, I it was probably one of the most fun I had playing. Like, it felt great. It's a lot slower, which is unfortunate because oh, my games took a long fucking time. <laughs> um, like, <laughs> like everyone, like a lot of my games went to time. Um, which, like, I mean, you, you kind of sign up for it, I guess. But yeah, um, yeah, it like it was a ton of fun. Um, I'll easily probably play it in the 10k. That or I'll, I'll lock in Phoenix if I could find a Phoenix list that I'm like a thousand percent more comfortable in. Um. So we'll see. Like I, I hate turning my back on Phoenix without the amount of time I put into it. But sure, I yeah. also like winning money. <laughs> and if I know, uh, if I know that the deck is which it felt good. Like there was not a matchup. Like even Boros felt fine. Like if I didn't mold a five, I think I would have had a way better of a shot. Right. And also him not top decking a like you know we we can get into all that and he and whatever. But like like outside of that, yeah, every matchup like even the enigmatic matchup like a big reason I lost to was misplays. Like, I think um, in game three, we were playing so fast because we were trying to catch up on time that, like, I could have countered a Leyline Binding with my Dovin's Veto, but I just let it happen, and, I mean, that obviously killed me. Otherwise, though, yeah, like, uh, like it, it felt great, and I'm, I'm 100% going to run it back. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I mean, the deck, I thought, like, it was, like, a the, the final boss of, of mid-range. Like, it's the king of mid-range, and just... You know, looks awesome. Valky's like the probably just the best planeswalker you could possibly reasonably I mean, when play. When you literally resolve him on an like empty board, it it's like impossible to lose. Like I and I showed a lot of restraint with the deck too, which I felt was really important. Like not trying to put him out there early if I didn't have to. Yeah. Like I would literally go to like against like a lot of the mid range matchups, which I mean, like this is probably like everybody else would be like, yeah, duh, no shit, Sherlock. But <laughs> like, yeah, a lot of times you like. 
grind it out, get in that empty board state, and uh, you know, like your your opponent has like two cards at hand to your two cards at hand, and you're like, all right, well, time to put a Valky into play. And they're like, well, I guess I lose. <laughs> I have to remember, um, my mid range ass. Uh, I don't play mid range. I play tempo Phoenix decks, so. Um, this is a new experience for me, but, uh, yeah, like, I loved it, I'm gonna run it back, like, I love Leyline Binding a fucking Shieldred against Rakdos, and I can't do anything about it, it's amazing, literally yeah. gives me the biggest heart on. This one man answer to Shieldred. Fucking love it. Well, I mean, that's yeah. why I play Phoenix, when you get four Lightning Axes, like, <laughs> and, like, it just does things the rest of the deck wants to do, like, oh, god, it's so good. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's it. Okay, cool. Well, Cole, let's go ahead and wrap it up there. Thanks, everyone, for checking us out. We'll catch you guys next time. Later.